This is thatsinthebible.com. Troublesome times are here, filling men's hearts with fear. Freedoms we all hold dear, powers at stake. Humbling your hearts to God, saves from the chastening rod. Seek the way pilgrims trod. Christians away. Jesus is coming. Hello and welcome back to That's in the Bible. You know, the other the other time I was practicing this today, I almost said back to the Bible or something <laughs> something along those lines. That's another program, I think. Yeah. But anyway, welcome to That's in the Bible and uh, it's our yearly show. We try to put one on a year <laughs> to, to say hello. No, actually, We've all, Lord willing, made a uh, commitment to uh, try to be putting out a few more than, than one a year. Maybe maybe one or two a month. Did you say two a year, Steve? Yes, I did. <laughs> it's our buddy Steve. So, the gang's all here. We've got uh, Steve, who you just heard, Pastor Steve, over there in beautiful downtown uh, Buffalo, New York. Amen. Right? And we've got yep. Pastor Strobel in sunny Blackport, New York. Yes. And we've got, uh, <laughs> all I can think of is the boy wonder. <laughs> That's Pastor We're just Strobel. picking right up where we left off, everybody. <laughs> as Pastor Strobel referred to him. as the boy wonder Matthew up in uh, beautiful Point Hope, Alaska. Amen. It's sunny here. It is not. Wow. Is it really? It is. Is it sunny? A little, little cold, but it's sunny. Hmm. I thought it was dark. Was well, it zero degrees up there? That's a little cold. Yeah, it's about it's a little, a little under zero, but it's not too bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, so and then of course I'm I'm Eric and uh, the host here in beautiful uh, Horseheads, New York. And I know it's been a while, so maybe we could just do go around and, and tell everyone, and maybe even for the new listeners, who you are, where you're located, and uh, what's been happening. And Steve, I know you had something you wanted to say. I did. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're really going to get me to do that. <laughs> um, yeah, we've uh, just uh, been busy with the normal things, uh, changed out of my welding clothes and jumped into my uh, casual preaching clothes to do this podcast, and uh, uh, still doing, uh, working uh, with the church there in uh, South Buffalo, and uh, just growing a little bit, uh, but uh, we're thankful for what we have, for who we have, and, and the opportunity to minister. Uh, still going to Attica Prison with uh, Pastor Strobel. I will be doing that tomorrow, and then uh, also preaching down at Charity Mission and uh, City Mission, and uh, trying to reach men and women with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Had an opportunity to go up and see Matt and Jen uh, before Thanksgiving, and had some uh, interesting experiences up there with them, and, and uh, so uh, maybe Matt can say what a little bit more. What are you trying to more. say? <laughs> you are an interesting character, Matt. I'll tell you. <laughs> okay, but up there purely to see my daughter and my grandson. But uh, uh, you, you kind of came along with the package. But uh, I was like icing on the cake. Yeah. Right. Anyway, uh, we've uh, just uh, staying faithful and uh, still preaching and and uh, trying to serve the Lord. So, Amen. Amen. Pastor Strobel. Amen. Um, let me just reintroduce myself. I'm Pastor Scott Strobel from First Bible Baptist Church in Lockport, New York. And as uh, Brother Steve mentioned, um, there's some things we get a chance to do together in the ministry, including uh, going to the prison, doing Bible study, as you mentioned, uh, tomorrow night. Looking forward to doing that. Church in Lockport, uh, the church rolls on. The Lord keeps us uh, busy with the ministry here. We have a good core group of people um, and we're just continuing to sow the seed of the Word of God and get out the gospel and minister to the saints and um, do everything He's got for us to do uh, up here. Amen. Amen. Matthew. Well, it's good to be here. Again, uh, my name is Matt Sutton, and uh, my wife Jennifer and I are missionaries out here in Point Hope, Alaska. 
Uh, for those of you that don't know, we've been out here for a little over two years now, and uh, it's just good to be out here ministering uh, to the Eskimos out here. And uh, we had a pretty uh, big adventure just uh, last week. Actually, it was about two weeks ago. We had uh, kids over at our house after we had uh, ministry, and uh, they had left our house and then came back and knocked on our door really loud. And I said, ah, oh, probably somebody forgot their cell phone. <laughs> and uh, so we opened up the door and they said, there's a polar bear out here. There's a polar bear out here. And uh, so we had the, the, all the other kids ran home, but uh, this one kid came in and it was attacking the dog. The polar bear was attacking the dog right across the street uh, from a couple of the kids that come to our ministry here. And uh, so I went out there and uh, the, the closest gun I could get was my Glock 45. So I got that and uh a uh, gentleman actually scared it away on his four-wheeler, ATV four-wheeler, and then he came back, took my gun, and shot it. So we've been having a lot of polar bear. Uh, I think they've shot five polar bears here this year already. So so it's definitely uh, it's kind of a wake-up call. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's one of those things where now I always go out with my gun. So it's definitely different than New York. In New York, you know, <laughs> you can't have a gun hardly at all. It's not here. <laughs> You got to have a gun, you know, but, but a boy, it's a blessing. It's, uh, we've seen, uh, 13 kids get saved, uh, just in the last couple of years. And, uh, but that's all the Lord. And I just thank, thank the Lord for allowing us to be out here. And we have a two year old son now, a oh, two year old son. <laughs> I was going to say that. Yeah. That was quick. <laughs> we give him some extra, we grow him big here in Alaska. Not actually, okay. Grown fast. And, uh, <laughs> well, we've been out here for two years and actually Jacob just turned six months today. So praise the Lord for that. All right. Thanks, Matt. And uh, I guess, yeah, we, not too many of us can say we've been shooting polar bears with our Glocks. That's, that's for sure. Um, and I'm Eric Sutton and I attend Bible Baptist Fellowship here in uh, Horseheads, New York. Beautiful, sunny downtown Horseheads. And uh, I think the reason I'm on the podcast is because I have the equipment. So that's <laughs> pretty much how I got to, to join this thing. You started it. What are you talking about? Join it. You started it. Yeah. So anyway, well, here we are. We're still going. And uh, we, Lord willing, we will hopefully try and, and get these episodes out at least one or two a month now. And that's the plan. And so I think Pastor Strobel is up today with uh, with his lesson and. And um, are you ready, Pastor? Yes. All right, here we go. All right, I'm going to read a passage from Mark chapter 2, beginning in verse number 18, where it says this, And the disciples of John and of the Pharisees used to fast. And they come and say unto him, Why do the disciples of John and of the Pharisees fast, but thy disciples fast not? And Jesus said unto them, Can the children of the bride chamber fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them, and then shall they fast in those days. And uh, you know, folks, today the days have come. The bridegroom has been taken away from us in that he is up in heaven sitting at the right hand of God. And the question is, are the children of the bride chamber doing any fasting? Let me open with a word of prayer. Father, we are thankful, Lord, to have the opportunity to go over with uh, your people and others that might tune in uh, your word on this podcast. I pray for your blessing upon it. I pray you bless us as we try to put it on, uh, both now and in the future, and bless uh, others as they hear and lead uh, people that need to hear these things uh, to the program. And bless the study tonight. Help me to convey um, accurately and adequately the things that you put on my heart to give to these people. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As you may have guessed, I'm going to be speaking about the subject of fasting. Uh, not a very popular subject for obvious reasons. Nonetheless, it is a Bible subject, and fasting is also a Bible practice. Uh, it is sanctioned and practiced both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. To be clear, what fasting is, is going for a period of time without eating. And that's why we call our morning meal uh, breakfast, uh, which is literally break fast. And really, um, that's about the only fasting that most Christians do. Uh, they fast all night while they sleep, and then in the morning they get up as soon as they can and uh, break fast. 
And of course, the Lord Jesus, he had more than this in mind when he said that the children of the bride chamber would be fasting in the days when he was taken away. A fuller definition of fasting is found in Webster's 1828 Dictionary, and it says this about it. Uh, first definition says this, to abstain from food beyond the usual time, to omit to take the usual meals for a time, as to fast a day or a week. And then secondly, he says to abstain from food voluntarily for the mortification of the body or appetites. And that's what we're talking about when we're talking about fasting. You choosing to go for a period of time uh, without food uh, for spiritual purposes, to seek the face of God and, and uh, other things that we'll, t- we'll talk about. And uh, when he talked about uh, fasting being abstaining from food voluntarily for the mortification of the body or appetites, uh, to mortify or mortification is to put to death. Uh, it is akin to the words mortician, which is one that works with uh, the dead or dead people. Um, the word mortal, which is something that dies or is subject to death. Or immortal, something or someone that never dies. And uh, the mortality rate, which is the death rate. And so what fasting really is, folks, is uh, death to the flesh. <laughs> but I trust you knew that already. Uh, the flesh rebels against fasting. Uh, Fasting is completely counterintuitive to that which we would normally do, and the idea of voluntarily giving up food for a period of time is so disdaining to the average Christian that instead of seeking to understand what fasting is all about and seeking the Lord to help them to do it, they instead dismiss it with jokes um, like, uh, oh, oh, yeah, I like uh, fasting, I, I, I like to fast, I like to eat fast, and I like to eat fast food. <laughs> And uh, I understand it can, you know, humorous and lighten the situation and everything. But um, uh, nonetheless, as I said, it is a scriptural practice, a scriptural um, discipline, and it uh, it behooves us to know what it's all about. And I know that it's not the most enjoyable uh, thing to do or the most enjoyable subject for the flesh. But um, we've been duly warned in the scriptures that the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would. So that's no surprise, or ought to be no surprise, when our flesh battles uh, with spiritual things. Now, if you look at the text that I read a moment ago, in Mark chapter 2, and verse number 18, you'll notice the word disciples showing up three times. Uh, and the disciples of John used to, uh, and of the Pharisees used to fast. And they come uh, and say to him again, why do the disciples of John, and then at the end, thy disciples, so three times you have that word disciples. And I, I point that out because a, the word disciple is related to the word discipline. And a disciple is one who disciplines himself to follow his master. Of course, a Christian's master is Jesus Christ. And if we're to follow our Lord Jesus Christ, it's going to certainly take some discipline in some areas of our life. And discipline involves self-denial, uh, another concept that uh, seems to have been lost here in Laodicea. And yet, if you'll hear the words of the Lord Jesus Christ in the Gospels, uh, he talks about it. Um, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Matthew 16, 24, then said Jesus unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Mark 8, 34, when he had called the people unto him <clears throat> with his disciples also, he said unto them, whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And then again, repeating the sentiment in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, sometimes the Lord has to say things over and over again, so we'll notice them and take uh, note of them. And he said to them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. And while the flesh has trouble with this, um, the Spirit of God produces temperance in the Christian. Uh, when you read about the fruit of the Spirit, one of the things you read about in that list is temperance. And so Paul, he displayed this uh, in his own life. He didn't just talk about it. He lived it. He displayed it. And uh, in his practice, um, he talked about in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, in verses 26 and 27, he said, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly. So fight I, not as one that beateth the air. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. And what Paul was doing was he's, he's showing some discipline in, in practice, showing some temperance in practice. Instead of letting his body tell him what to do, Paul would tell his body what it was going to do. 
or putting it in uh, terms that we understand maybe spiritually better, instead of letting his flesh tell him what to do, Paul would tell his flesh what it was going to do. And that takes discipline. A disciple of Christ must have some discipline. And uh, so to do any amount of fasting, uh, for sure, it'll take some discipline. And self-discipline is just part of being a Christian. So again, fasting is death to the flesh. It helps with the mortification process of dying to self. Again, remember the definition from uh, Webster's, to abstain from food voluntarily for the mortification of the body or appetites. Romans 8.13 says, For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. So there's some things that our body wants to do that uh, we have to mortify. Certainly some sins, and sometimes even some things that are not inherently sinful, we need to deny ourselves for a time so that we can seek God and, and get a hold of Him and draw closer to Him. Fasting as a Christian, uh, when you do it, it tends to naturally tune you more into God. Think about it. John 4.24 says, God is a spirit. So when you deny your flesh food, the flesh it gets tuned out, and the spirit tends to get uh, tuned in. You get tend to get more tuned into spiritual things. And of course, you might have to press past the point of your flesh crying out for food, <laughs> But it will if you'll just hang in there, and then there'll be more of a, a spiritual um, in tune that you'll have. You'll be more in tune spiritually as, as, again, your flesh is just being put to death, so to speak. I mean, it's going to feel like it's dying. I, I think it'll cry out and tell you it is dying, but it's not really. It's just you're mortifying that thing. You're saying no to your flesh and yes to the Spirit. So some of the reasons why people might want to fast or why you would want to fast in general, would be these, um, as I said, a means of getting closer to God, also as a means of repentance and getting right with God. Uh, you might fast as a means of getting God's attention, as a means of renewing your spiritual strength, getting the power of God uh, in your life. Uh, Moses, he, he got closer to God as he fasted and met with the Lord in Mount Sinai. Um, Nineveh got God's attention as they fasted and repented at the preaching of Jonah. Esther and Mordecai and the Jews, they got God's attention as they fasted for the lives of their people in order that they might be delivered from Haman's uh, deathly decree. Um, Elijah, he renewed his strength through fasting after his battle with Jezebel and uh, her prophets on Mount Carmel. Uh, Daniel sought the Lord with repentance and fasting, both for himself and for the nation of Israel in Daniel chapter 9. And uh, Nehemiah, he wept and he mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven before they rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem, as he fasted before he attempted, um, as it were, an exploit for God. And, uh, you know, these are some of the reasons why we might fast. And, and additionally, there are just a lot of benefits, many benefits to fasting. And though all of these examples I just gave you are Old Testament cases, I remind you, as I said earlier, that fasting is also sanctioned and practiced in the New Testament as well. Uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, he sanctioned the practice of fasting in New Testament times, just like we read at the beginning of our study in this text. Um, Jesus also famously practiced fasting as he fasted 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness. Uh, Jesus also gave instruction about fasting in Matthew chapter number 6. Uh, he said there in Matthew chapter 6 verse 16, he said, Moreover, when ye fast. It's interesting the way he put it, moreover, when ye fast. He did not say, if ye fast, but when ye fast. It was understood by Jesus that his disciples would practice fasting. So I want to give you a little of that instruction that he gave in, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 16, or, or tell you a little bit about that. In Matthew 6, beginning in verse number 16, the Lord Jesus Christ said, Moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily, I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thine head and wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret. And thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. And so, from this instruction, uh, the Lord's trying to tell you, when you're doing a personal fast, uh, it's, it's something to be between you and God. You're not to broadcast it to others. You're not to try to let other people find out or, or notice. And of course, it's hard to keep it from everybody. And 
and, and eventually somebody is likely to find out. But but your motive ought not be so that you can be seen of men. <clears throat> Whereas uh, obviously some he was writing to correct what some people do. He said as these hypocrites they'd be they'd go around with a sad countenance, so people would say what's well, wrong, and they'd say oh I'm fasting. In order they disfigure their faces, and he said, "Look, you, you, you when you fast, you, you anoint thine head. You know, wash thy face. Just you know, keep yourself cleaned up, just like normal, and uh, freshen, and don't appear unto men to fast. So try not to to make it noticeable. But again, sometimes others might incidentally find out. Um, you know, they see you not eating, um, but but that's not to be your motive. Uh, your motive is not to be seen of others. Your motive is to be." Not for it's not to be for others to take notice of your fasting. Your motive is, is motive is to be for God to take notice of your fasting and your desire to seek Him. Um, let me add here: if you suspect someone might be fasting because you've observed that there are some indications they are, um, normally you should not ask them if they are. Um, uh, you know, if they're approaching it properly, they they're not going to want to discuss it with you. They're not going to want to, you know, talk about it based on what we're reading here. But uh, let me also say that when you are fasting, if it is discovered and somebody asks you about it, don't feel like you've blown the benefit of your fast. Just make sure uh, of your motives. Uh, Further evidence for fasting being a New New Testament practice comes in the life of the Apostle Paul. Uh, He himself practiced fasting. And Paul is perhaps our greatest example of a New Testament Christian. And he gave a testimony of his fasting experience after the fact, after it was over, and um, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 27, I'm going to read you from the passage. Uh, I'll start earlier. But here Paul's giving what I like to call his resume. And he tells of his experiences and his, uh, what he's gone through in the Christian life serving the Lord. And he says here, beginning in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 23, Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors more abundant. In stripes above measure in prisons more frequent, in deaths oft. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Now, um, in verse 27 is where he talked about the fastings. I want to point out a couple things about that. First, he makes a distinction between hunger and fasting. Because he said he'd gone through both of those, hunger and, and fastings. And, and both of these are periods of time without food. But the difference is that the fasting is a voluntary absence, abstinence from food, while hunger is an involuntary abstinence from food. That is, Paul had to go through some times when he wanted to eat, but he didn't have the food. And so he suffered hunger. And when he fasted, he, he had the mindset he was prepared for it. And while there may have been some hunger involved... Um, it was it was voluntary, and of course, as you go on in, in fasting too, there's times when that hunger can dissipate and you don't feel the pangs uh, as well. Second, notice that Paul said in fastings often. Uh, this then was a normal practice for Paul, something that he did uh, regularly or, or at least often. Uh, and, and keep in mind that Paul, a great New Testament Christian, is our ensample of Christian living. Uh, for example. First, or Philippians 3.17, he said this, Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which so walk, as ye have us for an ensample. And so he gives you a good sample of uh, how Christian is to live, and he practiced fasting. As a matter of fact, he did it uh, often. Now, in the Bible, there are different lengths of fasting, uh, from as short as less than a day, uh, which is good entry-level fasting, and, and, uh, and, and not just something that's entry-level. I'll talk more about that in a moment. Uh, but uh, it went from as, as short as less than a day to as long as 40 days when it came to um, natural fasting. Uh, or as in the case of Moses, where uh, Moses experienced a supernatural fast, it appears that he might have gone as much as 80 days consecutively, neither eating nor drinking, as a matter of fact. Uh, he fasted 40 days in the presence of God, came down from the mount, 
and went back up and fasted 40 more days in the presence of God. And as far as I can tell, there was no eating in between those uh, times. Now, we don't have the same exact luxury as Moses did, that, that luxury of being directly in the presence of God on Mount Sinai like, like he was. And uh, so the longest normal natural fast in the Bible um, uh, is 40 days, which happens more than once in the scriptures. <laughs> but I don't want you to think that you have to fast for 40 days to get results. The fast that was for less than a day in the Bible was a fast until even. That was till the evening time, where they would um, they'd stop eating whatever time they did the previous day, and they'd get up in the morning and they wouldn't eat until after evening or sundown. Uh, this fast actually yielded some great results in Judges chapter 20. And there in Judges 20, the children of Israel went up to battle against the tribe of Benjamin, and Israel prayed. And then they went up to Benjamin the first time, and in that first time, uh, that first battle of this miniature war, uh, they lost 22,000 men, Israel did, against the smaller tribe of Benjamin, and all the rest of the tribes were whipped. Then they wept and they prayed. First time they prayed, the second time they wept and they prayed, they went up against Benjamin again the second time, and they lost 18,000 more men. So now they've lost a total of 40,000. Before going up a third time, they wept, they waited, they fasted until even, they sacrificed, and they prayed. And on that day, they won the victory, taking out about 25,000 men of the tribe of uh, Benjamin. And what praying alone did not do, and what praying and weeping did not do, praying and fasting did. It got them the victory. And again, this was a shorter length fast, a fast until evening. And, uh, you know, the Bible uh, allowed us to see the benefit and the victory they got, which came after not just praying, not just praying and weeping, but praying and fasting. And uh, even as the Lord Jesus said, how be it this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. There are some things that don't go out save with praying and fasting. So fasting is a very important thing. There are some, there are some victories that will not be won unless your prayers are coupled with fasting. <clears throat> so here in, in Judges, uh, even a, a sincere, genuine fast until evening brought um, some great victories. And I'd like to say to you that a sincere, genuine fast until evening uh, or uh, for 24 hours <clears throat> can be effective. Uh, there are also some effective three-day fasts in the Bible. You know, the Apostle Paul, he fasted three days without food or water right after he got saved. And that launched him into his fruitful ministry and his walk with God, as we can read about it recorded in the scriptures. Uh, another three-day fast was Esther and her maidens and the Jews. Uh, they did a three-day fast and uh, also without food or water. And they gained the deliverance of their people from Haman's decree of death uh, to the Jews that had been uh, signed. So uh, three days in the Bible are the longest natural fasts that I find that are done to the Lord that are specified as being done also without drinking, with no food or drink. Now, if you have a Bible, uh, I encourage you to go to Isaiah chapter 58. And there I want to show you, first of all, one of the preachers, or one of a lot of preachers' favorite verses in the Bible. And if a man is a preacher um, and hasn't discovered this verse, it's likely that when he discovers it, it'll become one of his favorite verses uh, in the Bible. Because the first verse of Isaiah 58 has to do with, uh, with preaching. In Isaiah 58, verse number one, the Bible says, Cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet, and show my people their transgression, the house of Jacob their sins. And sometimes that's what's uh, going to happen in our preaching. Um, our preaching isn't all against sin. Uh, we preach against things. We preach for things. Um, but uh, certainly... To preach the word, there's going to be some preaching against some things and lifting up our voice like a trumpet and showing even God's own people their transgression and sins. So it's a great verse for a preacher. But uh, this is just the beginning of, of a great chapter. And I like to call Isaiah 58 the great fasting chapter. Because in Isaiah 58, as you get on through there, there is more information on fasting here than in any other single place in the Bible. And so let's go through it right uh, quick here. Uh, first, you see preaching dealt with in verse number one. 
Then in verse number two, you see some hypocrisy, for he says, yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways as a nation that did righteousness and forsook not the ordinance of their God. They ask of me the ordinances of justice. They take, a, take delight in approaching to God. So you have some, some spiritual hypocrisy going on by some people who feigned that they were right on the outside and, 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 and had religious activity, but no real relationship with the Lord that was living and, and vital. Um, in verse number three, more of their religious practice, but uh, it wasn't impressing God. For they were even fasting. And he says, wherefore have we fasted, say they, and thou seest not? Wherefore have we afflicted our soul, and thou takest no knowledge? Behold, in the day of your fast, ye find pleasure, and exact all your labors. So they were fasting, but the Lord is correcting them for uh, an improper approach to it. Uh, furthermore, verse 4, he says, Behold, ye fast for strife and debate and dismite with the fist of wickedness. Ye shall not fast as you do this day to make your voice to be heard on high. God said, that's not the kind of fast I'm going to pay attention to and, and uh, hear and answer what it is that you're looking for. <clears throat> the idea of fasting for strife and debate um, is seen in our day and age when you have, uh, and, and even in, in recent generations, when you have people like political hunger strikers, where for some political cause or some social cause, uh, somebody... Uh, fast or goes without eating, uh, prison hunger strikers. It's any type of a hunger strike where they're going to refuse to eat in order to get people's attention about a cause that some somebody wants something to be done about. And God said, um, uh, you're not going to fast this way and get my attention. These types of fasts are not done really to get God's attention anyway. They're done to get man's attention. Verse number five, the Lord says, is it such a fast that I have chosen a day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head as a bulrush? And the Lord's telling them that uh, this isn't the fast that he chose. But notice how he made the reference there. He says, is it to bow down his head as a bulrush? You know, a bulrush, it's, it's like a cattail. I mean, those things, they stand straight up. So they don't bow down. And the problem was uh, they weren't humbling themselves in this fast proper. Um, they're just standing erect, upright, not bowing before the Lord. And so it's, um, it's an analogy, a, a similitude, bow down his head as a bulrush. The Lord's trying to show you something. And that's not the, where that similitude ought to go. Um, you don't bow down your head as a bulrush. And uh, the next thing he says is, is likewise showing something's out of order, where he says, and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him. In times of repentance, sackcloth and ashes are put uh, on the body, not under it. So while they appear to be seeking the Lord, uh, their motives or their procedures uh, are all messed up. Um, it just shows their heart is not right in this thing. And the Lord, Lord notices this thing. Uh, they're going through some religious motions, uh, but they don't have the right spirit behind it. And then he says to them about this uh, practice of fasting, it says, Wilt thou call this a fast, the type of fast they were doing, Wilt thou, wilt thou call this a fast and an acceptable day of the Lord? It's like the Lord saying, You call this a fast? Um, this isn't the fast I've chosen. This isn't the one that's going to get my attention. So now, beginning in verse number six, we'll see uh, God's proper motives for fasting. And there are some real good reasons to do it. And he, he says in verse number six, first of all, is not this the fast that I have chosen to loose the bands of wickedness? So one good reason to fast is to do just that, to loose the bands of wickedness. If you're bound with sin, if sin's got its bands wrapped around you and you can't get the victory, a good way to approach that victory that you've not yet been able to get any other way is to seek victory through prayer and fasting, to loose the bands of wickedness. Or you might wish to fast for somebody else, a brother or a sister in Christ, a friend or a relative that's uh, thus bound in sin. Um, maybe you wish to fast for an unsaved person uh, who's bound in sin and lost. Um, so to loose the bands of wickedness is a good reason for fasting. The next thing he said in the verse was to undo the heavy burdens. You know, the Bible tells us we're to cast all our care upon the Lord because he cares for us. Uh, we're to cast our burden upon him, and uh, he'll sustain us. Sometimes burdens are hard to cast on him. Sometimes we go to lay that burden down, and we get back up, and we take it with us. And if you've got a burden that you have not been able to undo, you've not been able to loose it off of your own heart and your own shoulders and get it onto God's, and you keep feeling like you're bearing it, and you do keep bearing it, uh, why not seek the Lord through prayer and fasting and, and at that time try to unload the burden 
for this is a proper reason to fast. And then he says in the verse, and to let the oppressed go free. So the fast the Lord has, has chosen is one where you let the oppressed go free. Uh, this was the fast of Esther and Mordecai and the Jews who were set free from the oppression of Haman. And the Bible, it speaks of uh, oppression from different sources <clears throat> who really are all related, but it speaks of the oppression of the enemy in Psalm 42 and verse number 9 and Psalm 43 verse 2. It speaks of the oppression of the wicked in Psalm 55 verses 1 to 3. The oppression of man, Psalm 119, verse 134. The oppression of the devil, Acts chapter 10, verse number 38. And in, in uh, Matthew chapter number 17, the Lord talks about a man who came to the Lord seeking help uh, for, for his son, who, who, whom himself, his son, uh, was oppressed of the devil. And uh, I'm going to read you a little bit about that. Matthew chapter number 17, and beginning in verse number 14, it says, And when there had come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is lunatic and sore vexed. For oft times he falleth into the fire and oft into the water. And I brought him to thy, to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. Then said, and then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him. The child was cured from that very hour. There was the oppression of the devil messing with that uh, man's son, and the Lord Jesus Christ uh, healed him. And by the way, he did it in conjunction with fasting, for this was a context where he said in verse number 21, Howbeit this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. And while we're here, um, there is another thing we can learn about it. Uh, I ascertained from this story that one can increase his faith by fasting. Uh, here's where you get that. Because before he said, this kind goes not out but by prayer and fasting, the disciples came to him. And they said, why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, if ye have faith... As a grain of mustard, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove. And nothing shall be impossible unto you. How be it, this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. Well, if they couldn't get rid of him or cast out the devil because of their unbelief, they didn't even have enough faith, and he said, This kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting, that tells me that the prayer and the fasting would have increased their faith to the point that they could have gotten the job done. So that verse, Matthew 17, 21, is a great verse. How be of this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. And by the way, um, Matthew chapter 17, 21 is not in the text of the NIV, the New International Version of the Bible. So if you're reading an NIV, I encourage you to go ahead and turn there and then check it out for yourself. And as you get there, uh, look at it and watch the numbers in Matthew 17. They go like this, 18 You'll see verse 18, then 19, 20, 22. What happened to verse 21? They say the people who put the NIV together were some of the greatest Hebrew and Greek scholars of the time. Well, maybe they were, but they couldn't count. They count 18, 19, 20, 22. And they leave out the verse they shouldn't be there, and yet they um, don't adjust their numbering system. And why is it that they don't adjust their numbering system? I mean, if they really believe it ought to be there, why not adjust it so that um, uh, it goes, it makes 20, verse 21, or makes verse 22, verse 21, etc. And I'll tell you why they don't adjust it, because they, uh, they want to make sure the rest of the chapter followed the standard. And you know what the standard is? That's that old King James Bible. And then, um, and think about this too, um, especially if you got a new international version. I wonder, I wonder who would it be that would want to remove a powerful, powerful verse like this from the text of the Bible. I wonder who'd want it out of there. It'd be somebody that doesn't want to get uh, want you to get a hold of that truth. Somebody that wasn't doesn't want to get you doesn't want you to get a hold of God, um, namely your adversary, uh, the devil. He'd be the one that wants to yank that verse out of the Bible. And then uh, he told you this in verse number six, talking about I'm going back now to Isaiah 58. Uh, is not this the fast that I have chosen, to loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, and to let the oppressed go free, and that ye break every yoke? 
Uh, sometimes you get yoked up with things that you ought not to be yoked up with, and they're hard to break. Uh, Bible says, "Be not unequally yoked together uh, with unbelievers." And, and you might you might be in a bad yoke. You need to get out of. You might need to fast to get out of it. You might need to get, need to fast to get out of a bad relationship, um, a bad friendship, uh, a bad job, a bad housing situation, a bad business deal, etc. If you're yoked together and, and you can't unloose that, you need God to intervene and, and nothing else is working. I mean, any problem you can't seem to get help with. I know sometimes we just have to wait on the Lord. But if it's um, if it's something that you think that you really need the Lord to move and, and you need to move him quick and, and, and whatever you're doing, he's just not moving. I'm telling you, fasting is, along with your praying, is something that could add um, some power and, and get you some answers. Now, uh, he further talks about the, a proper motive or reason for fasting in verse number seven. He says in Isaiah 58, seven, is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry, the fast that God has chosen? Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry? I mean, literally, uh, I guess part of the idea would be since you're not eating, uh, you can give your bread away. Spiritually, of course, uh, we could apply it to fasting before preaching, before teaching the word of God, before um, discipling someone, before witnessing, etc., as we're dealing the bread of life uh, to people. And then he says in that verse, and uh, thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house. I can make application to, to this by, by bringing some folks to church that are, are poor and in need of the Lord. Uh, he says in verse number seven, when thou seest the naked, that thou cover him. An unsaved man is, is naked, going to stand before God in his nakedness, the filthiness of his own uh, self-righteousness, the filthy rags of that self-righteousness. And you bring the poor, uh, or when thou seest the naked, that thou cover him. We want to see him covered uh, with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. And then he says, and that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh. And I I guess perhaps the implication there seems to be while you're ministering to others, that is the hungry, the poor, the naked, don't neglect to take care of your own family. And now um, we're going to get into some of my favorite portions of this. And, and really, I think the highlight or certainly one of the highlights of the whole study in verse number eight, we're going to start seeing the results of fasting. You know, all of the fasting books, whether they're Christian or otherwise, they promise rejuvenation in three areas from fasting. Those areas are physical, mental, and spiritual rejuvenation. And by the way, could you use any of that? Spiritual rejuvenation, revive us again. Mental rejuvenation, the old mind gets sluggish and doesn't function and remember and, and work like you want it to work. Physical rejuvenation, you know, the old gray mare just ain't what she used to be. And uh, there's promises of rejuvenation in those areas from the books on face fasting. And while they don't reference this scripture, I'm about to look with, uh, look at, look at you with, they don't reference the scripture for all these three things. This scriptural references their promises for it says this, it, verse number eight, when you have fasted properly, according to the Lord and his word, he says, then shall thy light break forth as the morning. I submit to you that that is a promise of, uh, of mental rejuvenation. Ephesians 1.18 talks about the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. When we don't understand somebody, we might ask them to shed a little light on the subject for us. Um, he says, then shall thy light break forth as the morning. You know, when uh, that time of day comes where it's morning and the light is first breaking forth, do you know what we call that time of day? We call it dawn. And when you are fasting, and your mind begins to get rejuvenation, there will be some things that just begin to dawn on you as your mind begins to come back to life or maybe becomes more alive than it's ever been. The next thing he says, uh, first of all, then shall thy light break forth as the morning and thine health shall spring forth speedily. Well, that obviously is the promise of good health. We have a tendency to think that not eating will bring about poor health, but when done properly and fasting properly, it actually helps to in increase your health. It gives the internal organs a rest. It, it begins to help your body to expel poisons. There's just a lot of health benefits, and I won't get into all of them, but it is definitely uh, a healthy thing for the body to fast. And, and God here promises you that your health shall spring forth speedily. So if you have certain health issues, it can help you with those. Uh, and then he says, and thy righteousness shall go before thee. And there is your spiritual rejuvenation your spiritual revival. 
He says, thy righteousness shall go before thee. The gl- and he says, and the glory of the Lord shall be thy rearward. It looks like re-reward, but uh, we would pronounce it rearward. Uh, what this means, uh, and again, I'll give you Webster's 1828 definition. Uh, he says the word is from the word rear and ward. So if we were to spell it today, and 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 uh, we don't want we don't need to update the spelling in here in the scriptures to make it this way. But if we were to spell, it, we would spell it R E A R W A R D. So it'd be like the opposite of forward, uh, or the other the other end of forward be rearward. And among Webster's definitions, he defines this word as meaning the rear guard. And this is how the Bible uses it. And of course, the Bible is our final authority in all matters of faith and practice. And the Bible. Uh, helps to define a lot of its terms. And in Joshua chapter 6, verse 9, he says this, and the armed men went before the priests that blew with the trumpets. So they were forward in the company. And he said, and the rear ward came after the ark. So again, they were rear ward. They were at the back of the company. The rear ward came after the ark, the priest going on and blowing with uh, the trumpets. Now, interesting, the Bible says here, the glory of the Lord shall be thy rear ward. So that means You've got the righteousness going before you. That's a good spiritual benefit. It's going on in front of you for protection and the glory of the Lord coming up behind you. And when you're looking at this, the, the armor of God, people have pointed out there's no armor for the back. They, they said, um, as you go through there, you see armor for the front. But, uh, you know, we talked about in Matthew chapter 17, how that fasting could increase your faith. You know what part of our spiritual armor is faith? Um, it's the shield in Ephesians chapter 6. And in Psalm 5, verse 12, the Bible says, For thou, Lord, wilt bless the righteous, with favor wilt thou compass him as with a shield. And so when I tie all these things together, it appears to me that that shield is something that can actually encompass you, the shield of faith with uh, the glory of the Lord that faith be increased through this fasting, the glory of the Lord being your rearward. In other words, when you uh, have got the shield of faith on, uh, God's got your back too. And fasting, fasting can help to bring that about. For again, one of the results is that the glory of the Lord shall be thy rearward. And I'm going to tell you what, I know this from experience. I need God to have my back. Watch it. It gets even uh, better or at least as good. Verse number nine, the Lord says, when you're fasting properly, then shalt thou call, and the Lord shall answer. Thou shalt cry, and he shall say, here I am. I mean, how about that? That's some promise, isn't it? God's going to answer your prayers, and you're going to cry out to him, and he's going to say, here I am. It's okay, I got you. I'm right here. The, the, he says he's going to do this if thou take away from the midst of thee, you're fasting properly, and if thou take away from the midst of thee the yoke, the putting forth of the finger, while he's blaming everybody else, and speaking vanity, you're going to get serious about your spiritual walk. And he says, and if thou draw thy soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, watch it, then shall thy light rise in obscurity, and thy darkness be as the noonday. Ultimately, this thing re- can result in the darkest times of your life, actually being like the bright shining of the sun at noonday. I mean, I mean that's some great promises associated with fasting. God allowing these things uh, to, to be working in your life. Verse 11, and the Lord shall guide thee continually and satisfy thy soul in drought and make fat thy bones. Thou, and that that's again speaks to health. And uh, spiritual guidance, guiding you continually, satisfying thy soul in drought, um, benefits spiritually, and making fat thy bones, benefiting physically. And thou shalt be like a watered garden, like a spring of water, whose waters fail not. And they that shall be of thee shall build the old waste places. Thou shalt raise up the foundations of many generations. And thou shalt be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of paths to dwell in. If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath... From doing thy pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord honorable. So honor him, not doing thine own ways, nor finding thine own pleasure, nor speaking thine own words. Again, it's it's somebody getting serious about seeking the Lord. And he closes up with this, verse 14, Then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord, and I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth, and feed thee with the heritage of Jacob thy father, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. 
Boom. That's God's word telling you about these things. Interesting that he would say, and I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth. You know, the fasting books also mention a euphoric feeling that occasionally occurs while you're fasting, not un unlike what some folks call the uh, runner's high. And of course, when fasting to the Lord and experiencing something like this, it is a holy and pure ecstasy, uh, completely a spiritual, uh, beneficial thing. It's not something ungodly, unholy. It comes with no adverse effects to the body, the soul, or the spirit, and, and no hangover. <laughs> and uh, now uh, that we've gone through the great fasting chapter of Isaiah 58, uh, notice the next verse in the Bible. For right after this great dissertation on fasting, the Bible says in Isaiah 59, verse 1, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. And uh, this would imply to me that seeking the Lord through proper fasting can help us to get the obstructions out of the way so that God's hand would move in our lives in ministry and his ears would hear and answer our prayers. Interesting placement of that verse that we kind of focus in on sometimes, not just noticing the context because it's the beginning of a chapter, but they had a whole chapter right before that that talked about seeking the Lord properly uh, through fasting. And so uh, the Bible offers us uh, very many desirable results through fasting. But like a lot of things, you know, folks, too often we want the product without the process that goes along with getting it. We want the results without taking the pains to get those results. But if the results are that great, and uh, they are through fasting, and I, I think you can see that as you look at these uh, details of Isaiah 58. If the results are that great, then it is worth going through the grueling process to get them. And um, you can even learn to like the process. And so I'm going to close, but I want to leave you with a reminder of some of those promises as uh, they were given in Isaiah 58. As he said, when fasting properly, then shall thy light break forth as the morning, and thine health shall spring forth speedily, and thy righteousness shall go before thee. The glory of the Lord shall be thy reward. Then shalt thou call, and the Lord shall answer. Thou shalt cry, and he shall say, Here I am. Thank you, Pastor Strobel. Amen. Amen. Yeah, I, I can say this. It's always a blessing to hear uh, Pastor Strobel. He always has uh, great insights on things. And obviously, as he already introduced, uh, fasting is not a subject that uh, you hear much of. Uh, you don't see much of it on uh, you know, the preaching sites and so forth. Uh, but it's, nonetheless, it's part of the, uh, of the Christian life. And uh, what we're supposed to do as Christians, uh, I, I kind of go back uh, to what he, uh, I guess, in a sense, reiterate something that he said at the beginning. Uh, and I think he used the word disciple to, to uh, get there, um, meaning the discipline. And that's something that, that really uh, is lacking in, in many, if not most, Christians uh, today and 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 again, it, it goes to the to what the Christian life is all about. Uh, you know, when Jesus Christ said to the disciples, "If any man come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me." And and fasting is just uh, a part of of what that Christian life and what that denial is all about. Um, if we can't stop ourselves from doing certain things or make ourselves to do certain things. Then we're going to have a long, hard road on the on the Christian life, mm -hmm. uh, because uh, it is a, it is a life of denial, but that that serves as a positive result because of the fellowship that we can have with Him. And again, fasting uh, is a tool in that regard. So I appreciate the study. I got some got some blessings just uh, going through that. It's been a long time since I've heard anything on fasting, and and uh, it was it was a blessing to hear some of those things. So praise the Lord. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Yeah, it's definitely a message where it's uh, hard to hear. Your flesh doesn't like it. <laughs> yeah. But uh, you don't hear, like Pastor Strobel said, you don't hear many uh, studies or messages on this. And, uh, you know, I, I know for me personally, you know, fasting shows me just how powerful my flesh is. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, we're supposed to be filled with the spirit, not with anything else. And uh, we can see many times how we can be filled with ourselves, with our flesh. And, and uh, you know, our flesh likes to trick us, I think. And, you know, tell us, oh, it's not that bad. I'm not that powerful over you. Okay. You know, and that's of course why we need to get in the Bible. It's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of our heart. 
But uh, also, you know, our flesh likes to say, oh, you know, you're okay. You don't need to, re- you know, read too much of your Bible, but, you know, try and read your Bible and see how much your flesh likes it. You know, try to pray for an hour, see how much your flesh likes it. You know, try to witness and see how much people really like this, your Savior. You know, your flesh says, oh, everybody loves your Savior. Everybody's saved. But so yeah, I think really, uh, again, fasting is one of those things where it really proves uh, to each and every one of us just how powerful our flesh is to get to get power over us in our walk with the Lord. And, and, uh, I, I'll, I'll just say this and I'll leave it off here, but, uh, I want other people to suffer because I heard a message, uh, by uh, Nathan Gipp. He was my associate pastor for a while and he had a message that I have not, not forgotten. And, you know, people, it, Christians, uh, don't even, many Christians don't even get to the point of fasting. They, to, for many Christians, the, the thought of fasting is just, uh, not overeating, <laughs> you know, I mean, <laughs> here in the United States, I mean, we'll eat and we'll eat at least three meals a day, but those meals aren't just small meals. Those things are, you know, I mean, just as much as you can eat until you just feel like you're going to, you know, pass out. And, uh, he, he preached a message on Proverbs 23 too, and put a knife to thy throat. If thou be a man given to appetite. And that shows us right there too. I mean, it's just so, so difficult. Our flesh just says, keep eating, keep eating. And he said, listen, if you hear the small voice in your head say, okay, you've had enough. <laughs> and he's, he said, if you keep eating, uh, you better watch out. <laughs> your flesh has control over you. And, and so I'm, I'm just leaving that there because uh, I suffer with that every day <laughs> that I eat. I say, okay, I better stop eating. So, but yeah, our flesh has uh, definitely has power over us for sure. Yeah. Amen. And I, I think the self-denial aspect of fasting, it just kind of runs contrary well certainly to the world you know where get all you can get and be all you can be and you know uh, and and unfortunately i think also even in christian circles too it's you know what blessings does god have for me and you know what's kind of like the whole what's in it for me and here's what you know god's done for me and while that in of itself is good it's sometimes and maybe often to the exclusion of you know doing something like fasting to really get a hold of God and, and the other reasons that Pastor Strobel talked right. about. So, you know, I, I think there, there, there's a lot of reasons why maybe we don't hear much about fasting anymore. And I, I realize in doing this um, study, this is more of a graduate type of a study, you know, this isn't, <laughs> I mean, let, let me use this analogy. Um, fasting is meat. Yeah, it <laughs> is. Yes, it is. Scriptures. Mm-hmm. But in in keeping with the title of our program, I figured, hey, that's in the Bible. Mm-hmm. So, yes, it is. Amen. Uh, Amen. It needs to be. It needs to be brought out. And it's good stuff. Amen. And it's a, it's another another way, another opportunity to to you know grow in your Christian life and to Amen. And to get a hold of God. You know. Amen. When you know you you as you said, you're struggling with things that boy, I'm just not getting an answer on this. You know. Yeah, I mean, there are people that um, you know physically that might not be healthy for them to fast. Maybe they're on certain medications, and and they'd want to check into that. The pro, the honest truth is that most people, most Christians, could fast. They just aren't interested in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, if you can get a hold of the the benefits of it, um, I, I think it's something you ought to just put on your Christian bucket list. Yeah, do it yeah. do it once before you die. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe yeah, do it once and then die. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's called extreme fasting. <laughs> this is a program about extreme Christianity. Huh? Yeah, man. <laughs> I think to some folks it is right. You know, like, it is. It, it it is. But again, it's um, it's getting past that. Oh my soul. Mm-hmm. I can't. Part of it is this, you know, you get saved and you find all these different things you can't do. All right, I can't drink. I I can't carouse with um, you know, uh, women. I I can't smoke, and it's like the only thing we got left is food. <laughs> now you want to take that away? <laughs> <laughs> this isn't a permanent thing. It's just in a. It's an occasional practice, something to do. Amen. Yeah. As long as your next study is not on uh, coffee, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you just led with your chin, kids. <laughs> you, mean, you mean the addictive? Maybe, maybe moderation. The addictive properties of caffeine. <laughs> okay, I tell you this though: if you're a coffee drinker, um, it, it tends to be harder to fast because uh, you know the headaches come in quickly. It's a, it's a good idea if you're going to fast. Some people get the idea if they're going to fast, 
um, they're going to gorge themselves on everything the day before. And, mm-hmm. and most people that I've seen, I think everybody I've seen that decided to do that, they never made it through the next day. Uh, a good, better approach would be kind of wean yourself off of some of the things that might cause your self body to have adverse effects or minimize your eating a little bit more before you try to fast for a day and it tend to make it easier. Amen. And I'm, I'm glad you brought that study. And it is, that is in the Bible. And it's Amen. something that, you know, you're right. If you you don't hear much or see much written about it or talked about. So, let's see, unsearchable riches of that book. I mean, they, they, there's just so many things in there. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, that that's my cue for hitting that. And that is? Ah, there it is. <laughs> Come on, Steve, do a little harmony into that. <laughs> of any of us, he could do it. He could. It was at church we were working on a, um, you know, the men going to do a song. And, and uh, the song leader that's putting the song together looked at me and goes, No, can you, you can sing parts, right? Can you sing a part? And I thought for a minute and said, no, I can't sing a part. <laughs> the last time I tried to sing a little part, Steve's laughing. The last time I tried to, not even to sing a part, but just to sing good. I was singing loud and I thought, this is good. I think I'm doing really good. And Steve was standing right next to me. And, and I thought, why well, Steve's going to turn to me and say, Eric, that was really good. Steve turned to me and said, are you deliberately trying to throw me off? <laughs> <laughs> you can always count on Steve. So, so ever since then, I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't really sing. I was singing parts, singing solo, way solo, you can't hear me, and that's about it. Sing apart from everybody else. That's right. Well, you have to understand where the context of that was. We were at a blowout, and we're standing up front with all the volume coming behind us and around us, the band in front of us, and we're singing to the top of our lungs. And I'm having a hard time staying on key because he's singing next to me. So you had to realize that it was, uh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, we got the message. (laughs) (laughs) You you nailed it down pretty good there with that. Thank you. Thanks, thanks, my brother. I didn't know you got down to the blowout, Eric. (laughs) (laughs) It it wasn't the blowout. It was actually in his house. No. Oh. oh, was that that, that yeah. time? It was, oh. it was. It was in your I'm house. Sorry. Yep. I'm so, sorry. so have you ever been to the blowout? Yeah. Yeah. Eric. Yep. Matt and I flew down one year. Great. And I was there. The family. One of the boys was graduating. I think it was. No, it was a blowout. Yeah. Was it a blowout or was it a graduation? It was a blowout. I don't remember the year. I'm not good at years apparently, but I did look right. up. We we started the podcast in 2009. January oh. 2009. Nine years ago. Hey, man, I want to thank you guys for inviting me to come and join in. I wasn't there in those early days, so I appreciate the chance to be here. It's a good thing if you go I back and listen to some of those early episodes. You're like, wow, what is what is going on here? It's a, it's a little rough. It's a little rough. It's a little, <laughs> a little rough, rough, yeah. <laughs> man, man, I had it like scripted. It was, it would be like, well, what do you think? Well, what I think is it was all... It's all pretty formal. Well, you have to remember all the laughter this, is how, <laughs> this is how my dad got me to, into it. He said, we're not going to, re- you know, we'll just kind of record it, but we're not going to put it online or anything. Next thing I know, it's online and everyone's <laughs> listening to it. I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> what do you think he was going to do with it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I know better now. What <laughs> uh, long after that, he suckered me into it too. So, <laughs> Yeah, but it's Maybe. fine. We have a good time, and you know, we, I, we get to uh, study the Word, and I, I certainly get to learn things every time that we get together, and and every now and then we do hear from someone else that has said, hey, enjoyed the podcast, so Amen. that's Amen. an encouragement, too. Matter of fact, Eric and I ran into a guy just the other day when we were at uh, Youth Ablaze. Yes, um, we did. Bunch who uh, didn't have any idea that Eric was the guy, other guy, one of the other guys on it, but... <laughs> Said that they had come across it. Yeah. Well, that was a blessing. Well, 
I had a fellow by the name of Peter, and and those of you that have listened to some of the podcast, all of them probably have, have run across Peter, and and uh, we were at a, a funeral of a friend, and uh, afterwards he came up to me and says, "Steve, what's going on? One <laughs> one podcast, and then you're done." <laughs> <laughs> Well, he'll be he'll be surprised now, won't he? <laughs> Especially if he stays to the end and hears his name. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Yes, he will. All right, guys. Well, thanks again, and um, we'll see you in a couple of weeks, Lord willing. Of the That's in the Bible podcast. To leave a comment or to ask a question, visit our website at thatsinthebible.com or email us at thatsinthebible at gmail.com or call our listener feedback voicemail at 716-584-1611. Again, that's 716-584-1611. As always, thanks for listening and press on.